Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. It is Destination Radio Time. You know what you do at 10 a.m. on weekdays. You tune in for Baldry's Beat. Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry is with us for the next 30 minutes. Going to be taking your calls in the next segment, but updating on a very busy uh, last number of days with regard to COVID-19. Hey, Keith. Hey, Jody. So let's begin with uh, that sort of fluid uh, live briefing schedule that we have had over the last uh, couple of weeks. So uh, today it is confirmed three o'clock live briefing, yes? Three o'clock from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix. And then the next one will be on Thursday at one o'clock. Um, the timing, it's amazing how many people are still tune into these things after a year. I think today's is something like the 253rd briefing. I think wow. um, Dr. Bonnie Henry's been there for all but about four, if I recall. Yeah. I've been at every one. <laughs> it's amazing. This yeah. thing just keeps going. And the public interest remains huge in all things COVID. It's just fascinating to watch uh, the public appetite for information on so many levels. It's never been greater, I believe, Keith. And and there's so much gratitude, outpouring gratitude for you as we have now reached that one-year milestone of March 11th of this being mm-hmm. actually declared the global pandemic by the World Health Organization and, and your tireless work on this file. But being so, you know, a mile wide and a mile deep on the subject matter gives us all such a great opportunity to ask the questions of you. So, of course, in Baldry's Beat, the phone lines will open uh for uh, the entire next segment. But let's talk about some of the things we know to be happening uh, right now with regard to the mass vaccination rollout. Just reiterate where we are as of right now today in terms of who's booking their appointments. Mm -hmm. So we're in a much better state than we were this time last week. Last week, you recall, Monday, uh, call centers were swamped. There wasn't enough staff. People were on hold for hours, gave up in frustration. Uh, Tell us to to its credit, put 600... uh, call agents in the chairs on Tuesday and so those problems are eliminated and they're to the point where we're now not only past catch-up we're ahead of the, the game so now people aged 80 and over can start getting in the queue this week on a staggered basis they weren't going to be in the queue until next week but we've moved it up a week so starting today people aged 84 and older can phone the call centers and, and health officials advise don't call in the morning that's when it's busiest Call uh, late afternoon, early evening. They're open till uh, I think seven or seven thirty, and that's when you can you book your appointment. Tomorrow it's eighty three year olds. On Wednesday, eighty two year olds and older. And Thursday, eighty one and older. And Friday, eighty and older. And we'll see if we can continue to move these age groups up as we go. And keep in mind, as we go through the age groups, the numbers in an age cohort start to expand tremendously. You know, there was a lot of, you know, last week was very busy, but it was only involving about 50,000 people. Uh, in terms of this week, people over the age of 80 to 89 is almost 200,000 people. And then you, you look at 70 to 79, that's almost a half a million people. 60 to 69 is almost 700,000 people. So the numbers are immense, Jody. And it's going to be fascinating to see how we shift from appointments to actual vaccinations because there's 180 plus uh, clinics around the province uh, where people are literally going to go on a on a you know uh, seven day basis seven days a week basis and line up for their shots and it's going to be amazing to watch uh, you know as we work through this more than four million people getting their vaccines in a very short period of time absolutely extraordinary there's going to be some hiccups and bumps no question. But it's going to be amazing to see that many people get an inoculation in a short period of time. 
Isn't it going to just be something else? I'm just so pleased that here we are. It's happening now. Mm-hmm. And and still, though, there are the comments, the the descending voices, if you will, that are like, well, BC's behind other provinces. Just look at Alberta. Yeah, well, you know, Simon, our colleague Simon Little at Globe has got a good piece on the web, and he had it on, yes. on NW yesterday, pointing out that, no, we're actually ahead of Alberta. Where we're, where we're behind, if you want to use that word, is on some of the age-based stuff. Um, we have way more... Uh, number of seniors in BC than we do in Alberta. So Alberta is ahead on an age basis. They're inoculating people at age 65 and over because they really don't have many people over the age of 90 or 80. We also have uh, made a decision, as Alberta has, is to prioritize Indigenous populations in terms of getting a vaccination. And we have more uh, First Nations people in BC than are in Alberta. So the numbers basically uh, show that BC's demographics are different than Alberta. So it's not quite an apples-to-apples comparison if you just strictly look at uh, ages. If you look at just total number of doses, BC's actually ahead of Alberta. But I think it's kind of pointless to make interprovincial comparisons right now. We're at the beginning yeah. of, of, a, of a massive, massive program all right across the country. All provinces are going to have different measuring sticks and, and, you know, finish lines and such. And uh, But again, each province has its own strategy, and they're working towards it. And it's uh, we all want to achieve the same goal, which is to get as many people as possible vaccinated in as quick a period as time. Right, because none of us are safe until all of us are mm-hmm. safe. And that is a big piece of this puzzle. And that brings, you know, to the forefront, uh, the conversations about uh, Prince Rupert and Port Edward beginning their vaccination of every adult there. Yeah. And for reason, right? Yeah, and, and not just uh, that that's one example. There's also certain companies um, that yeah. have uh, also had to vaccinate their employees because they work in close quarters, congregated uh, working or living conditions. So for example, our AstraZeneca uh, vaccines, we had 68,000 arrive last week. They're going to be distributed and administered not on an age-based rollout, because that will be Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, but AstraZeneca is more strategically targeted, and they will be going to outbreaks and clusters, uh, not Prince Rupert, but um, certain companies, food processing plants, industrial work sites, where people, just by the nature of their jobs, cannot social distance, and where you have outbreaks. We had a glass company in the news last week that people thought, oh, why is a glass company getting uh, inoculated? 44 people there uh, tested positive for the virus with very cramped working conditions. And so the decision was made by Fraser Health to go in and vaccinate the people uh, in that situation. And we're going to see more instances of that, particularly in food production facilities, where we've seen some of the worst outbreaks since the pandemic began have been in food processing plants, particularly in the Fraser Valley. And that's where the vaccine is going to go. Because people say, well, why is this group being vaccinated and not this group? At the end of the day, it's in, as we just talked about, it's in everyone's interest to get everyone vaccinated and not exclude any particular group. And if public health determines that a one particular group should be vaccinated ahead of another group, it's for public health and science reasons and not for anything else. So with that subject matter, I know that there are people listening right now that are like, what about school teachers? Mm-hmm. You know, school exposures. There were a lot of them that went out this weekend. Yes. So it could very well be that teachers are put in that queue. We don't get another batch of uh, AstraZeneca until late April, and that will be 136,000 doses. And so those 136,000 doses will be spread amongst a number of groups. And a public health committee right now will report later this week what they recommend in terms of what groups are included within that, that 
136,000. It could very well include school teachers. Uh, you've also got other first responders who are not currently in the front line. Uh, also, we'll be arguing that perhaps they should be in there. You will have um, certain truck drivers who, who are a, a vital part of the supply chain. Uh, we'll be uh, arguing that they should be in that group as well in terms of a very broadly defined essential service workers and a number of other groups as well. And so a public health committee will de- will recommend and will determine basically who goes into that particular queue. It's a, sort of a parallel immunization program to our general one that is ba- largely based on age. This one will be more targeted and we'll find out later this week which people, which occupations basically will be will qualify for, to get the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. It could very well include teachers. Jody Vanson for Mike. We continue with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, of course, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, ready to take your calls on all things COVID-19. And uh, Keith, I promised uh, prior to the break that I would ask you your opinion on what we might see happen uh, at the U.S.-Canada border with regard to perhaps opening up to some degree. What, what are you seeing there with the rollout being rather successful south of the border? to some BC government officials about this. There's more optimism now about the border opening sooner than later, uh, but not anytime really soon. We have to wait until we really do have mass vaccinations. Washington State, for example, has about 11% of their population vaccinated. They're ahead of us, but not by much. And the numbers, you know, I get them every day uh, from Washington State. I mean, they continue to, I think on Friday, they had 900 cases um, seven deaths. Their numbers right now, they have one and a half times the population of BC. And the gap is narrowing between us and them. They are slowly getting their numbers down, but it's, the gap remains wide. Since the pandemic began, they've had four times the number of cases, about more than three times the number of people have died, and about uh, four times the number of hospitalizations. So, But having said that, as more and more people get vaccinated, and if the goal in BC is to, by July, everyone gets one dose. U.S. President Joe Biden has said by July 4th, everyone will be vaccinated in the United States who wants one. That's when I think the dialogue about opening the border will begin again. And perhaps August is a target that some people are looking uh, towards when we have mass vaccinations and the virus just doesn't have as many uh, case numbers as we see right now. But right now, you know, 900 cases in Washington on Friday, more than 500 in B.C., that doesn't add up to opening the border anytime soon. No, and uh, we had Health Minister Adrian Dix on earlier here on the program, and he alluded to uh, some big numbers from this weekend that will be shared uh, at 3 o'clock this afternoon well, on the live briefing. Three days of numbers, and yeah, so we're probably looking at more than 1,500 uh, cases. So, of course, that will be carried live here on the Linda Steele Show on CKNW. Let's get to the phone lines. We are lined up. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 is a free call on your cell. And we start with June in Comox. Welcome, June. Oh, thanks, Jody. First, I can hardly believe I feel I'm in the same room with two of my favorite people. So thank you. (laughs) That's good, June. I love that. (laughs) Anyways, I'm 90 years old, so I qualify for this first rollout and I made my appointment for the vaccine and that was quite easy and my appointments for this Wednesday but now my problem is I don't have a way to get there and I haven't canceled the appointment yet because I'm hoping for a miracle and then I'll figure out a way to get there but I'm I don't know what to do I'm kind of afraid to cancel it and then make another one and cancel that one and uh, I just don't know what to do what will happen where do you live June? I'm in Comox. 
in Comox. Hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what to advise you on that. There's no, no neighbor or friend can give you a lift or perhaps a taxi? Um, I haven't found anybody yet. Yeah. Anybody who lives in Comox that's listening right now that could give June a ride to her vaccination appointment on Wednesday, hit us up. Uh, you can you yeah. can get my DMs are open on Twitter. You can call the station and I will connect you. Uh, June, let's make sure that we take your number. Um, don't hang up right away. Tim French, our technical producer, will take your number. We're on a mission to get June, uh, the 90-year-old in Comox, her vaccine that's already booked on Wednesday. I, I Let's make that happen. Yeah. We should make that happen. Yeah, We'll give you a hand, J- uh, J- There you go. Stand by, June. Your two favorite people are on top of this one. If I have to go to Comox myself, I will. I will drive her there. Uh, Jeff in Vancouver, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. Um, My question was uh, related to a topic came up at my uh, work the other day uh, regarding if some uh, employees that were offered a vaccine at whatever time chose not to get it. And we were just sort of wondering uh, whether that was due to health reasons or their own opinion or whatever it was, but does an employer have any recourse to mandate that somebody that elects not to get a vaccine that was offered um, be required to wear a mask or social distance beyond when everybody else can or anything like that? So we've never had a mandatory vaccination program in Canada ever for any vaccine. Uh, Now, when it comes to employment law, I've actually heard a segment on NW, our employment law segment on the weekend, where there seems to be a bit of a gray area here over employee rights versus employer rights uh, on on this issue. Um, we don't have a policy right now to exclude healthcare workers from employment if they choose not to get a vaccine. And uh, again, we've never had a mandatory vaccination um, rule in Canada at any time. So I would think the em- rights reside with the employee, but at best to get an employment lawyer on this one. All right, let's continue. Uh, Marge and Langley, uh, you're up next. Your question for Keith Baldry. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I'm recovering cancer patient, and I have um, a note from my oncologist to say that I'm healthy enough to get a to get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband is 80. Sorry, I'm just picking up the coffee here at uh, Tim. <laughs> and I'm healthy enough. I've got the note from my oncologist. Yeah. And she thought that I should be able to go with my husband, who is 80, when he gets vaccinated. She said, because I am still um, very compromised immune system. Yeah, so and there... I cannot find out. So there are a number of people who have underlying health conditions who do qualify to get an early vaccination ahead of their age cohort, but you really have to check with your doctor to see if you fall into that category. A number of cancer patients do qualify for that. Um, so again, but it's not uniform, not right across the, the the range. So I would check with your health provider to see if if you fit into that. And again, you can try to make an appointment based on that uh, on that basis. But um, I think really best to check with your own doctor. 